So the goal that I'm not going to reach this morning is to challenge you that the message of the gospel must be mixed with faith. When it is, it will not produce religious works, but it will produce ears open to the voice of God, hearts surrendered to his will, lives answering the heavenly call, disciples pursuing Christ's example, eyes fixed on an invisible kingdom, affections fixed on a glorious hope, with a certainty pursuing our eternal inheritance. That's the goal I'm not going to get to. I want to set the stage for it, though, because we are going to move there. So I'm going to be focused this morning just moving through some chapters. We'll be in the book of Hebrews, been spending time in prayer, been prayer driving and prayer walking, and there is such a sense that the urgency, the authority, the stakes are rising. And if we are willing to step into what God's calling us to, it'll be a thrill. So Father, I thank you this morning for your Holy Spirit that speaks to our hearts, that changes and transforms us, that makes what we're hearing real to us, communicates it to where we're at. Hallelujah. This people is not going to miss out on what you have for them. This people is not going to miss out on what you have for them. This people is going to find new strength rising up inside of them. They're going to come together with a new sense of unity and a new sense of purpose. Hallelujah. Father, you're going to breathe on them by your Holy Spirit, and they're going to rise up in a new might and a new power that they didn't even recognize that they had. They're going to answer a heavenly calling. Hallelujah. And God, this place is going to fulfill its purpose. Hallelujah. That you have stamped on this place. Hallelujah. And Father, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Lord, you're going to bring people in, and if necessarily, you're going to take people out, but you're going to fill this place with those who will answer that call. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Not only that, but Father, hallelujah, you are going to blow into the churches, God, in this community, in this region, and you are going to move people in and out of leadership because God, hallelujah, I am calling them in. Lord, what you put in my heart is, Father, if nobody else is calling them in, then I take them. I recruit them, I call them to this place. Hallelujah. So that, Father, in this place there will not be a people, hallelujah, who are satisfied with complacency. God, who are just waiting and, and God ticking out the time till you return. But, God, there are a people who see, God, the fields are ripe. God, there are people who understand the call and the urgency. And, God, they're prepared to answer that call. So, God, this place will be filled with those people. Hallelujah. And they'll be raised up and they'll also be sent to the nations. I thank you, Father, for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, Holy Spirit, hear what I have declared and come from the four winds of heaven and blow upon this place. And by a power that is greater than us, even greater than our resistance. (laughs) Do it. Amen. Hallelujah. So I'm just going to kind of do an introduction. I'm going to kind of lay us down through the the opening chapters of Hebrews, as I said, where I will end up eventually, but not today. It's in Hebrews chapter 4 and what it is that's in my heart. 
but let's just begin. So first of all, the scholars guess, but nobody knows for sure who wrote the book of Hebrews, nor to whom it was written. The author did know his audience, and he expected his audience to know the storyline of the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, especially things like how Abraham's family became the nation of Israel, how Moses led them out of Egypt and out of slavery, about Israel at Mount Sinai, where they received the Torah and where they made a covenant with God. He made covenant with them. He expected them to know about the tabernacle of Moses in which Aaron served as the high priest, about the Levitical priesthood who offered daily sacrifices. He expected them to know about how the first generation that God brought out of Egypt had wandered and died in the wilderness because of unbelief and how Joshua had led the second generation in to the promised land. We also know from the letter in Hebrews 10, 32-36 that it was... Its intended audience had faced hardship, persecution, and public humiliation for their faith, even having their property confiscated, and some were even imprisoned. Though from Hebrews 12, verse 4, it seems that the readers had not yet experienced martyrdom. Facing this, they felt great pressure to renounce their faith. Now, Timothy 3, verse 12 states that all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Yet, as the title of this letter suggests, it was written primarily to Hebrews and not to Gentile believers. With Old Testament characters and Old Covenant themes featured prominently throughout its text. Why would that be? Because in those days, Christianity had become seen as separate from Judaism. Judaism was a known ancient religion But Christianity was seen as a new sect, a superstition that caused suspicion, one that could be very detrimental to the stability of Roman society. So, in ways, Christianity was unwelcome and even outlawed, but Judaism was not. Therefore, when faced with persecution, there would be strong temptation for Jewish believers to revert back to the safety of Judaism. To do so, They would not be renouncing their faith in God. But it would require them to stand up at the front of the synagogue and publicly renounce their allegiance to Jesus Christ. In this light, the author's goal with his audience becomes clear. They must understand that Jesus Christ, as the Son of God, is far superior to any previous patriarch or prophet of God. And what God has spoken through Jesus Christ carries far more weight and authority than any voice in the past. In addition, they must understand that the Old Covenant was only types and shadows, but Christ is the substance, His finished work, the fulfillment of the law. The ministry of Christ as apostle and high priest of their faith, the atonement He made, the redemption He paid, the salvation He brings, the eternal inheritance He leads His followers into completely eclipses any promise, any inheritance under the Old Covenant. And with this, the author also brings strong warnings against neglecting the message of the gospel, hardening their hearts in unbelief to the gospel, turning away or renouncing their faith in Jesus Christ. We're going to reach into this letter written to Jewish believers under the pressure of persecution, and we're going to draw some much-needed application for our life today. 
Chapter 1, the letter begins. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. The implications are huge. God spoke in ages past, but now we are in the last days. Almost a third of Scripture is prophecy. Half of the prophecies in Scripture have been fulfilled. The rest deal with what the Hebrew prophets referred to as the last days. These are yet waiting to be fulfilled. They indicate a countdown that began with the first coming of Christ. A countdown which every moment, every day, every hour moves us closer towards the Messiah's return and the culmination of God's eternal plan and purpose. It's time for us to wake up and recognize that we are in the last days and the clock is ticking. No one, neither the Son of Man nor the angels, know the day nor the hour that Christ will return. The Scriptures gives us signs to indicate the nearness, and it is near, but it will come like a thief in the night. The overwhelming emphasis of the Scriptures is that followers of Christ must not be caught in an attitude of lethargy and complacency about what God's purpose is, what we as believers are called to do, and the urgency with which you and I are called to do it. Romans 13.11 indicates that every day, this is the mindset, every day brings us closer. Every day brings us closer. Do not be deceived into thinking that your Lord will not come. Every day brings us closer. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2 again, long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us through his Son. The rest of the chapter unfolds how superior the Son is to all others who have served as God's representatives in the past. The Son is the heir of all creation. Through him the worlds were made. He is the exact ray of God's glory piercing the darkness of our world. He is the exact representation of God's nature and character revealed in human form. The Son is the one who by His own blood purged us from our sins. And the Son is the one who is now enthroned at the right hand of God, awaiting to come in the clouds of glory. So using numerous quotes from the Scripture, the author makes clear that the Son is far superior to the angels, who though mighty and powerful are but creatures, created to serve God's purpose and to aid God's God's heirs, which are you and me. The reason this is important is that in the Jewish tradition based on Deuteronomy 33, verse 2, the Torah, or the law, and the words of God were delivered on Mount Sinai by angels. The point becomes clear in the opening of chapter 2. Hebrews 2, verse 1, Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. The author reminds the Jewish believers that the law had proven true. Though it had been given by mediation of angels, failure to take the law seriously had very serious consequences. So that being true, 
how much more seriously should we be taking the message of salvation that came through the very Son of God Himself? A message confirmed with miracles, signs, and wonders which God by His Holy Spirit wrought through the hands of Jesus Christ our Lord. How much more seriously should we be about its message? How much more weighty are its implications? How much more is at risk if we choose to treat with negligence the message that has come through him? We need to pay more attention. Say that to yourself. I need to pay more attention. But we only have so much attention to give. So you and I are going to have to prioritize what we are giving our attention to. An article, November 3rd, 2015, in Greater Good magazine, which applies science to the workplace in order to become more productive. It says, work life has changed drastically over the past two decades. We have gone from working with single information objects such as typewriters, to working with constant digital distractions like email, text messages, cell phones, social media, and more. In this 24-7 distracted environment, our attention comes under siege, and that has detrimental consequences for our productivity and well-being, and it has detrimental consequences on your faith and its practice. Peter said in Acts chapter 2, save yourself from this evil generation. Peter said this world lies under the power of an evil one. Researchers like Edward Hallowell have documented our declining ability to manage our attention. He says modern office life and the increasing common condition called attention deficit trait are turning steady executives into frenzied underachievers. He writes in his Harvard Business Review article entitled Overloaded Circuits, Why Smart People Underperform. Our minds are wandering from what we are doing almost 50% of the time. As research by Paul Gilbert and Matt Killingworth reveals. In a work text, this means that almost half of our time we are not truly present in our tasks. In fact, other businesses are making money from our wandering attention. Facebook makes it from the ads, while Google sells our clicks. It's costing you, and they are making money on you. It's costing you eternally. And I want to use the word stupid, but I need to be careful. We are facing an attention economy where one of the most valuable currencies today is a clear, calm, focused attention. But how much can that be achieved? More and more companies and individuals are looking to mindfulness to help us thrive in this attention-lacking economy. Ephesians 5, 14-17 says, Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, modern version, stupid, but as wise. 
making the best use of your time because the days are evil. The days we live in are designed by the ruler of this world to rob you of the power of paying attention. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Hebrews 2, verse 1 again. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Recently, I visited my friend and overseer, Ralph Bima, at his trailer down by the Grand River near Dunville. I was in his old motorboat, by, which, by the way, he was very proud of. And I was trying to get a broken seat to sit upright. He untied the boat, and then he remembered that he had forgotten the life jacket, so he ran back to the trailer. Well, I was oblivious to what was happening, and the boat began to drift away. (laughs) If I had not looked up quickly, I would have been up a river with no paddle (laughs) and no key to start the boat. Failure to pay close attention leads to a drift. Not making a decision not to follow Christ. A drift. In the drift, one is not consciously focused on following Christ. They're not consciously focused on the heavenly calling and answering it. They're not consciously focused on living for eternity and not for the things of this world. They're not consciously focused on the certainty of Christ's return. They're not consciously focused on the urgency of the hour. They're not consciously focused on the call to harvest and how ripe it is. The drift is when one unconsciously begins to let the world shape one's thinking. Unconsciously begins to follow its way of living. Unconsciously begins to let it hold one's affections and consciously becomes entangled in all of its affairs. Unconsciously begins to devote one's time and energy to pursuing its approval and its reward. Unconsciously. Hebrews 2 verse 1 again. Therefore, we must pay closer attention. Say it with me. I must pay closer attention. And think to yourself, otherwise I'm going to be robbed. Otherwise, I'm square in the middle of the drift. Earlier we read in Hebrews 1 verse 1, But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Here, we're called, but we must pay closer attention to what we have heard in that message that God in these last days has spoken to us through his son. The emphasis is not that Jesus Christ brought the message. The emphasis is that Jesus Christ is the message. His life was consumed in doing his Father's will, completing his assignment, revealing his Father's glory, 
demonstrating his father's life, his love. His life was a pathway devoted to duty and responsibility, hearing and obeying, seeing and doing, humility and selflessness, giving and expending his life, submission and obedience to God, faith and trust in his word. His life was overflowing with compassion, kindness, goodness, love and sacrifice along a pathway lined with manifestations and miracles brought by the Holy Spirit. It was a life accompanied by persecution, false accusation and slander, abandonment and betrayal, mocking, suffering, public shame and premature death. It was a life dedicated to seeking and saving the lost, bringing mankind back to God, working redemption, bringing all men to the knowledge of forgiveness. It was a pathway that entered into the grave, invaded hell, seized the keys of hell and death, overcame the power of death, rose from the grave and ascended to the right hand of the throne from which he rules and from which he will come to claim the nations of the world as his own. It was a life lived in unreserved trust in his father's character, unwavering faith in his father's promise, absolute obedience to his father's will, and overflowing joyful confidence of reigning in his father's kingdom and with it, the joy of you and I reigning forever with him. The rest of chapter 2 goes on to outline that though compared to the vastness of the universe, man is so insignificant, yet God, our God, has given to mankind unimaginable honor and glory. In the age to come, man is destined to reign with Christ. The resurrection of Christ from the dead, the ascension of Christ to God's right hand reveals the destiny and the certainty of your inheritance. He sits at the right hand of God claiming an inheritance, a ruling and reigning in the kingdom of God which is yours. And Jesus Christ is unashamed to be numbered with you and me. And he is unashamed to share with us as co-heirs in his kingdom. Hebrews 3, verse 1. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. Chapter 1, God in these last days has spoken to us through his Son. His Son is the message. His Son is the message. The message of redemption, the message of salvation, the message of peace with God, the message of righteousness, the message of eternal life and freedom from the fear of death. His life is the message of the purpose and the priority of our lives. That we now, being raised with Him, no longer live for ourselves, but live for the one who died and was raised from the dead. That we have been raised from the dead no longer to please ourselves, but to please the one who has given us this inheritance. He was rejected. He was hated by the world. He was crucified, not so that we could live with our affections wide open to the things of the world that rejected him, but instead to see the invisible, to reach with hope 
and to walk with conviction. Chapter 1, Jesus is the message. Chapter 2, pay more attention. Be in continual, conscious awareness and connection with what God has spoken to us through His Son. As He is, so are you in the world. Walk in love as He walked in love and gave Himself unto God. Chapter 1, Jesus is the message. Chapter 2, pay more attention to it. Chapter 3, now consider Jesus. Which means full concentration leading to clear comprehension followed by decisive action. Jesus is the message. Pay more attention. Continual conscious awareness. Now, consider Jesus. Full concentration leading to clear comprehension followed by decisive action. Chapter 12. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Be very clear about your calling. Very confident about your identity as children of God. Absolutely certain of your Father's love and certain of your destiny and fully conscious of the process that your Heavenly Father will take you through in order to prepare you. How can you be absolutely certain of the process that the Heavenly Father in love brings His children through in order to prepare them for glory? Jesus is the message. If He did not spare His Son in order that His Son might fully represent us as a man at the throne of God and might fully claim the inheritance that is ours, neither will we be spared the the process of facing the opposition of sinners, facing the temptation of the world, facing the schemes of the enemy, and be called by the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome. Now let me just say this. We're talking about an absolute focus, understanding that everything about our life now in Christ is defined, is laid out for us through Jesus Christ. The whole blueprint, the whole understanding, the whole plan, the whole foundation, it's Jesus Christ. We can see through his life how God takes a babe, raises him up, brings him to maturity, brings him through the process of preparation, and brings him to the throne of glory. We understand the blueprint, we see the process. And we see one at the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning, He is not a spirit being. He is the man Christ Jesus. And he sits there as the first fruits of our inheritance. Resurrection from the dead. Ascension to the throne of glory. Eternal inheritance. That's ours. Very, very clear. Now let me talk to you. Some of of you are in situations that you just don't like. They're hard. They're difficult. They're painful. And you would rather not be in them. And uh, make matters worse. You're a Christian. Christ lives inside of you. His Spirit's inside of you. And you know you cannot respond in that situation. 
the way that you would like to. And every time you do, if your heart's open to Him and you're loving Him and you're serving Him and you're actually conscious about your relationship and constantly connect, every time you do, you feel Daddy's love. You said, God, take me out of this situation. God, get me out of here. God, change them. God, move on their lives and change them because I don't want to live with them and I'm not changing. Hold it. If he didn't change the world but let his son go to the cross, you ain't getting out of it either. It's not about changing the situation. It's about being you transformed and you being prepared to rule and reign with Christ. It's about your heart, your life, your mind, your thinking, your priorities, your love, your trust being changed within your heart. So the situation right where you're at is where you can now begin to move actually to maturity. Instead of just knowing the doctrines and understanding and nodding your head, you actually get to live it. Develop it. Grow in it. Become strong in it. Learn to rule and reign over all of the things going on inside of you in spite of the situation. You get to rule and reign. So let me say, some of you are in situations where you've got the promises of God and there's delay, and it is so hard walking through that delay and not seeing how it's, and not seeing how it's going to work and, and going through all of the yuck of the situation and yet believing God, laying hold of His Word. It's like you've gone into the grave. There is a resurrection day. Amen. There is a rising out of that with the keys of hell and of death. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But it's not about the situation changing, but it's about you walking through the process till God works what He needs to work within you so that you can carry the authority and the power that He wants you to carry so that you can begin to affect territories and begin to affect atmospheres and begin to affect nations because He can trust you with that power, that authority, and that glory on your life. I want you to know, when he's done with what he's doing, the situation will no longer be needed. And it will change. And you will step out of it and you will understand, but right now you don't understand. Some of you are in relationships that you don't want to be in and you'd like to get out. And yet you're not allowed to get. I've even heard people say, and those are family relationships, marriage relationships, whatever. But I've even heard people say, you know what? God's brought me to here. If it were up to me, I'd be out. <laughs> I'd be out. Because God deals with people here. I'd be out. And in fact, God has said regarding this place that what he's going to do is he's going to put you beside people that you don't like. That you're not sure that you, you, you just feel uncomfortable with, you feel uncertain about, you feel, and yet you can't leave. And yet if you want to do what God's calling you to do, you have to be in your place. And you go, I don't like it. But understand, the issue is not the situation you're in. It's not the pain you're facing. It's not the pressure you're under. It's not the persecution and the opposition. The issue is you're being prepared for that throne. And if you can't reign over what's going on inside, you can't be trusted to reign on that throne.
You're going to put on a pout. You're going to cock an attitude. You're going to throw a temper tantrum. Not when you're sitting on that throne. You're going to start arguing and complaining and murmuring about petty little things that once, and guys, look at it, we ain't not that young here. You got 20 years, you got 30 years, and that little thing that you're all upset about is going to absolutely have no value and make no difference at all, but the character you develop and how you are transformed in the midst of it, you will have for all eternity. So get over it and get on with living for the hope. Hallelujah. You are not alone in this. God has given you the comforter, his precious Holy Spirit, to be with you and to be in you. No one is saying the process is easy. No, my, no one is minimizing the journey that you're walking through. Nobody is making light of it. Nobody is making fun of it. In fact, I'm giving great honor to it because I am saying it has great value and it has great worth far more than what you recognize. This place is going to be filled Amen. with an army yes, who understands Their faith is in Jesus Christ and the message God has spoken to them is their mantra. And their eyes are going to be fixed on Jesus and that hope is their destiny. They're not looking somewhere down here and going, what I'm pursuing is that pleasure. What I'm pursuing, I'm not saying that having a possession is wrong. It's just not your pursuit. It doesn't own you. Enjoying a pleasure is not wrong. It's just not your pursuit. So when it's here, oh, bless God. And when it's gone, oh, bless God. And regardless of what I'm going through, I understand what my destiny is and what the process is to get there and what God is really after in doing it. So now let me go at this again. I thought I was done. Hallelujah. There's some of you, in fact... There's very few that are going to be exempt from this. That the call on your life, and in fact, the only exemption would be you exempting yourself. The call on your life, the assignment, the call of heaven, the assignment that you actually have to walk in. You might look and say, well, how can I in my circumstances at my level of influence, how can I how can you actually say like there's a calling on my life that is incredible and there's an authority that God wants me to walk in? The only reason why you could be thinking those things is because you are ignorant of the history of how many insignificant people God has placed behind very significant people and through one little word, like the little servant to Naaman, spoke a word in due season. How could she do that? How could she do that? 
because she kept her heart from being bitter. She did not turn her heart against the God of Israel, even though the God of Israel apparently had allowed her to be taken into captivity and allowed her to become a servant to a captain in name, had taken her away from family and comfort, yet she did not allow the circumstance to make her bitter. She did not allow the circumstance to turn her heart away from God, and when the moment was needed for this little girl to speak a word to Naaman, her heart was ready and she changed a nation. There's a calling on your life. And if you can be a people who are not cluttered by the static of your flesh shouting and complaining about the circumstances and instead you have your mind fixed and your heart fixed on why you're here, and where you're headed, so that you can hear with clarity, you're going to change nations. He's going to call you and you're going to speak a, you're going to speak a declaration. You're going to pray a prayer. Hallelujah. You're going to love an unlovely person. God's going to bring you into an unexpected circumstance. And in that moment, because you had kept your heart right, you understood. He's going to anoint you for the moment. You're going to come alongside of somebody else in their moment of discouragement. And you're just going to be there for them because you know who you believe. You're going to speak a word of encouragement and they're going to go and change nations. There's so many ways God does this. But unless we understand that and unless we embrace that, we just get caught up in the static all the cry, all the murmuring of our flesh. It's just static, static, static. We can't hear. We're not ready. We're consumed. We start looking back. We start looking. We're not paying attention. We're not staying in relationship. We're not focused on the call. Some of you, the thing that God has called you to, and you know it, but it's not going to be convenient. <laughs> and you've been backing away. It's not convenient it's actually going to bring you possibly into the face of rejection, into the face of risk, into the face of fear, into the face of loss. It's actually going to cause family members, you know the risks there, family members, to somehow turn away from you, disown you. It's going to cause you to feel pain on the inside as people misunderstand you. But it's actually the very step the very step of obedience into the face of that, that's going to make you. And as long as you keep holding back, you're going to stay in immaturity and you're never going to understand, you're never going to realize this call on your life. But we are not alone in this. We have the Holy Spirit to fill us with the Father's love, to overwhelm us with his presence, to comfort us on the inside until you sing with full authenticity within your heart. You satisfy me. You satisfy me. Lord, we run into your loving arms safe and secure in your love your 
the only one that satisfies. So leave me astounded, leave me amazed. Show forth your glory, let heaven invade. Hallelujah. 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 Why don't you stand so that you're ready to go get your coffee? And I'll pray. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, I've declared the word now come from heaven. Hallelujah. And even as your glory has been resting in this place, now stick to your people. Just stick to them. Holy Spirit, hallelujah. Clothing with power from on high. Hallelujah. Come rest on and stick to your people. Hallelujah. Let nothing, let nothing, hallelujah, cause that in any way, hallelujah, to be removed. Let them be conscious of your presence. Let them be conscious of you working. God, let them be conscious of your authority and your power resting. Let them be conscious of the call of God upon their lives. Hallelujah. Now, in answer, in answer, Holy Spirit, to that which I've declared, come and breathe in this people. Hallelujah. That power that you said you will fill them with. Hallelujah. So that they will rise up to be that army. Hallelujah. That you are raising up in this place. Hallelujah. And Father, give us the nations as our inheritance. Hallelujah. I bless these people in Jesus' name. Amen.